Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. This is March 21st of 2023. This is Q&A podcast number 136. I'd like to welcome a new member to my Facebook virtual coaching group, and that's Rhonda in Kansas. Um, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. I don't know if you're excited about my podcast every week, but I sure am excited to do them. And the reason why is I make this podcast for my Facebook virtual coaching group. And I feel like once a week, it's my chance to talk to the group as a whole, answer your questions that I had over the week, come in with your videos that I've reviewed and posted in the group and kind of address it because I figure if one person wants to know, probably someone else would like to know too. So I want to start with a story. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I want to start with a little story and I want to talk about how slow is smooth and smooth is fast. A lot of times you don't think of barrel racing as being slow, definitely, or being smooth because we know it's a timed event, so we're often thinking fast. But when we ride fast, we often override and we get so busy kicking and whipping and, and pulling and, you know, just overdoing it. Our timing, our feel becomes rigid and sometimes mechanical. And then we make mistakes on positioning our horse and the smoothness and snappiness of our turns and things like that. So that's why I think it's really important why I have you do drills and dry work during the week. I know a lot of you are like, well, that's never going to feel like competition, but that's not true. If you think about Karate Kid, the movie, and before he would let the um, the boy compete, he had him doing all kinds of chores, wax on, wax off, painting, and all this stuff. So he, there wasn't a whole lot of fighting going on in the beginning. There's a whole lot of um, chores being done. And he was having him do those movements to get the muscle memory of the cues needed for his, uh, the movements needed for his karate. So I'm definitely speaking out of my range. But if you look at baseball or basketball or volleyball or golf, they don't just play tournaments or competitions. They break it down into pieces and they work on one thing at a time instead of the entire thing at once. And oftentimes that's what I think people try to do. They try to climb the whole staircase before they're ready to just take one step at a time. And I think that's when holes become in our pattern. Um, you know, if you think about it like this, if I tell you, okay, ride in the hole, when you, um, if I tell you ride your horse in the hole, you're going to become very rigid and you're just going to think, get that horse in the hole and maybe you're going to override. But if, if I say, okay, ride your horse in the hole, but tell me what cues does it take to ride your horse in the hole? You're going to exhale. You're going to think about it. Oh, well, I should probably look between my horse's ears and look where I want him to go. I should probably keep my body loose, keep my hands forward and even. Um, have soft shoulders and rib cage, but have my shoulders and hips square. Maybe be encouraging him with my legs and my energy. Um, and so when I'm focused on the cues, I then become more relaxed and and I'm paying attention to what I should be doing rather than the the idea of just overriding my horse into the hole. And that will often help you with your your goal because what we want to do, 
is we want to focus on what we can control. And if we think about too many things, um, it becomes an issue. So, so if you were like, okay, I'm going to go to the carnival, carnival, the fair, the county fair, and I'm going to put, go to play that basketball game. Well, I want to put the basketball in the hoop. If I focus just on putting the basketball in the hoop, it may not go as well as if I think about my stance and the position of my arms and my hands and when I'm going to release the ball. That might give me a more uh, higher chance at getting the ball in the hole than just aiming at the hole and throwing it without my legs being in a good stance or my arms being in the proper position, releasing the ball at the right time. These are all things that you have to think about. So that's why I talk about these things. Um, today, our topic is going to be more about horse training because there's just never enough of that. And um, this is going to be part three. I'm going to talk a little bit about the KISS theory, keeping it simple, silly, <clears throat> by really having solid basics and going back to basics on your horse. Um, the only thing that you can control, you know, you can't control what happens around you. All you can control is what you do on the horse that you're on. And that's why it's important that you are uh, doing things during the week that are helping you in, improve on your muscle memory for competition. And it does mean breaking it down by going back to basics and dry work and drills. And what happens is you'll eventually get better and better at it. So as you all know, this month's challenges, um, mindset, I would love to see one personal best a week. It doesn't have to be a big goal. It can be a small goal. Maybe you've been working on getting your horse to break in the pole. Maybe you've been getting your horse better at putting their head down to put on their bit. Um, maybe you've been getting uh, your horse to just have a loose rein loping circle where you're not having to control so much, micromanage them so much. Those are what I'm looking for because all those little small goals will add up to big ones. And awesome thing is we already have 25 people on the personal best drawing list for March. So that's great. And it's only the 21st. So that's super. Um, the skill for this month, and I've been posting a lot of videos in the group um, for you to watch, is mirroring what you want from your horse. And that, as you all know, that comes from where we look, our shoulders, our hands, our hips, our legs. Um, mirror from our horse is what we want. Our shoulders and their shoulders should match. Our hips and their hips should match. Uh, you know, our hands should be guiding them, not pulling them. We should be looking where they're looking. So by doing what our cues correctly, our horses are going to mirror us better in our slow work as well as in competition. So always be a constant aware that your horse is a mirror of you when you're riding them. So focus on that. Um, let's see here. What else did I want to discuss before I go into the Q&A? I have a few questions to get into. I have averaged about 40 videos a week coming in right now. So I do about 10 a day because that's about all I can do. It takes me five, six hours to do that. And then I need to spend some time outside. And plus I can only do so much before I need a break from it. Um, or I won't do as good a job. My eyes and all that get tired. So I do about 10 videos a day and I put you on the list and I go down my list and check it off as I go, just so you know. So if I, you know, if it's later in the week, your turnaround time is probably going to be one day. But if you send me videos from the weekend, uh, on the weekend, or even Monday, your videos could be two to three day turnaround time, just depending on how many come in. Because obviously everybody barrel races on the weekend, so the bulk of the videos come in Sunday, Monday. Um, <clears throat> just so you know, 
So that's how that works. And if for some reason I haven't got back to you within three days with your video, there's a good chance I made a mistake and missed you on my list or forgot to write it down. So please remind me. But normally one or two days don't get too excited because I'm just working the list. Um, let's see here. It just far as the group, um, just real quick before I go into questions and topic, um, remember if you're looking for something in the group, there's a search box or magnifying glass at the top. You can just type in what you're looking for and everything I've ever talked about for the last two and a half years will pop up. So if it's mental game or first barrel issues or rate or snappy turns, whatever you're looking for, you know, rider cues, um, drills, just type it in the search box and you'd be surprised how much great information can pop up. Don't forget to use the members only website. Not very many people access it because I know y'all are busy and you spend more time on Facebook than you do going to websites. But there is 150 videos on my website that you have a password and username to. Um, and it's organized by topic from cult starting to dry work drills, how to pattern a horse, common problems on the pattern, um, drills to fix issues, uh, rider cues, saddle fit, rein length, stirrup length, uh, holistic care. There's a whole lot there. So take a look at that when you get time. Um, also, just remember, um, let's see, when you send me a video, you can send it to the CoachNow app, or you can send it to me Facebook Messenger or email. Be sure to tell me if you want yours private when you send it. It's no problem for me if you don't want to share it in the group. I share them in the group for everybody to learn or celebrate with you. But if you don't want it that way, if you like yours private, which many, many do, that's no problem. Just let me know. But when you send it, let me know the name of the horse, the name of the arena, the winning time, your time, and any concerns you had. And that would be helpful for, for me to go through and, and do a better job for you. Um, let's see here. I guess that's about everything. So let me go ahead and get into the questions. Um, some of you may not know, but it you as um, for the $15 a month and the $150 a year, you can have one or two videos done per week or eight max per month. So it's easier for me if you don't send me all eight at once. So that's why I prefer just two max per week um, for the ones that are paying $15 a month and $150 a year. Let's see here. So uh, question... Um, my original first year members only get one per week at the $10 and $100. And then I am thinking at three years because I want the group to kind of cap out at $150. Um, so I'm going to go to $20 a month to $200 because I want to make sure I'm spending quality time with everybody. Um, I don't want it to get so big that you're waiting a week to get your videos done. Um, so I'm trying to be fair there, but come on, whoever, whatever price you're at, you're staying at. I'm not raising your prices as long as you stay a loyalty member and stay in the group. Um, it's just going to be for new members or members that leave and come back, um, when the price goes up in on the third year anniversary in August of 2023. Okay. First question. Um, should I get an x-ray before I send my three-year-old to the trainers? And how often should they get checked by my performance vet? Absolutely, yes. And the reason why I know a lot of people don't think a three-year-old needs x-rays, but you would be surprised. Um, when I was living in Colorado, my mom had a really nice, gorgeous Dacolina um, filly. She was three, sitting in her pasture, sound, gorgeous. She sent her to me. She's like, I'm going to make her a gift of you so that you can train her for basics and barrels and 
I think she'd be a great horse for you. She's just sitting in my pasture doing nothing. I was like, all right, that'd be awesome. So I paid a shipper to, call, to Colorado from California and um, let her settle in, start bonding with her on the ground. And then I start to ride her in the saddle. And the more work I put her in, and it's not a lot, she's starting to come up lame. And, you know, and I know how to condition a horse without soaring them, but this is unusual. So I take her to Dr. Beeman at Littleton Veterinarian Hospital. He's world-renowned veterinarian, so you almost don't want to go to him because if there's a problem, he's going to find it and um, probably crushes a lot of dreams because he's so good, he finds everything. <clears throat> and sadly, this poor filly, she had side bone, ring bone, early stages of navicular. I was devastated. And then the worst part was it was hereditary, so she couldn't even be a broodmare. Um, so it was really heartbreaking. So before you send your horse off to training absolutely get a vet check because it would be good. And having x-rays is awesome because then you have something to compare in six months or a year if they're having any changes. So as much as you spend on horses now as prospects and bloodlines and just send them off to the trainers, <coughs> having x-rays is a really good idea. And then I would definitely have them checked every six months. I've had horses come in for training and I would tell the owners, something's a little bit off. You know, I'd get dentistry out, I'd get a quality dentist, I'd get the quality chiropractor out, but I just felt like something was an off. Maybe some wind puffs in an ankle or a hawk or something. Something's just not right. Um, you know, I had a horse come in once that has never kicked anybody in her life. One day I went to go pick her hoof and she kicked out at me and I was like, whoa. So I told the owner and they're like, that's not like her. And there was some puffiness around her stifle. And sure enough, she ended up getting a bone chip that was floating around in there. And it wasn't done due to me because there was nothing on the outside, like another, like she hit it on anything or a horse might've kicked her tied to the trailer or something. There was no marks on her. So they think that just with a little bit of exercise, it just chipped off and was floating around in there and became painful. So you just never know. And then I had another young horse that was showing tons of talent and had some puffy ankles and and he started coming up lame and he had juvenile arthritis. So you just don't know. So it is important pre-purchase exams before you buy a horse, veterinarian x-rays before you send them off for training, um, all those things because... You don't want to invest a lot of money in a horse that's not going to be able to hold up to the to a competition. Maybe they'll be better off as a, just a trail horse because they don't have the soundness to be a performance horse. So definitely do that. Um, next question, um, how to fix a horse bracing going into the second barrel. Oftentimes, bracing going into a barrel is rider-induced. A horse won't have anything to brace against if you're not in their face. Um if your horse is anticipating, that's a different thing. But if you're actually lifting your hand and crossing your withers um, or your reins uh, chest high, those are going to cause bracing. So I watched the video of this particular situation and she was holding the rein chest high and crossing her withers. That's why the horse is bracing. So the way that you fix that is you start doing straighter, longer drills or even um, in and outs where you have them move away from your inside leg and you put your weight in your outside stirrup and move them out um, to a bigger pocket going in and on the backside, like, you know, six, six, three or something. Um, in and outs would be good to get a horse lighter that way. But the only thing bad about that is it's, uh, you don't need that rider doing more with that inside rein. 
So for that rider, I kind of like the straighter, longer concept because <coughs> they have to learn to look between the horse's ears, have even hands, and guide them to their pocket. Yes, you can use your inside leg to move your horse over. Yes, you should put weight in your outside stirrup. And yes, you should be looking at the outside tracks, not down your horse's neck. All those things matter. Um, but that's how you fix that problem. And the D pattern would be really great for that as well because that'll teach you to ride the barrel, ride the circle, and use your body more to finish your turns, but also take away that anticipation going into the barrel by using eyes and body more and less with your hands. And you can do that one-handed as well. Um, let's see here. I have a big event in two weeks, and I'm having rider issues, rider cue issues. What should I do? Um... So, okay, when you have a big event in two weeks and you're making mistakes with your rider cues and it's of several things, first, you cannot, you cannot add more pressure on yourself because it's a big event. I promise you, you will do worse. I cannot tell you how many times myself or other barrel racers I know choke at a big event <coughs> because they pressure themselves because it's a big event. The worst thing you can do is that. Um, the best thing you can do is focus on one thing you want to fix. You only have two weeks. Rome's not built in a day. Focus on the main thing that's screwing you up. If it's your hands, fix your hands. Um, focus on your hands first. And then, you know, you can, maybe you need to sit in your turns. Maybe you need to, you know, look at your pockets better. You know, maybe you need to use your legs more. But if your hands are the worst issue, focus on your hands first and looking at your spots. So that should be your one or two things you think about heading to the alleyway. If it's your nerves and you're having a hard time setting up uh, in the holding pin, sit there and breathe in and out, counting to five, and take some big exhales. <sighs> Clear your mind until they call your name in the alleyway. As you head to the alleyway, reach back, rub your horse's butt with one hand, and the one hand start leading to the alley. And then think, I'm not going to spend a lot of time setting up. I'm just going to go, you know, I'm going to keep forward motion and, and walk, lope, go, whatever I got to do. You know, not all horses are going to walk, trot, lope. Some are going to walk, lope, go. But um, just try not to dink around too much in the alleyway and try to think about one or two things. Like um, when you get in the alleyway, obviously you want to line up with third and pick your arc. And then obviously your spots are important, but maybe your other thing will be your hands. You know, look at my spots and, and even hands to all the way to the barrel or whatever. Um, so, you know, whatever is most important for you, you, you know, you just focus on being smooth. Smooth is fast. And that's what's going to help you by focusing on the, the weakest link in your cues that you need to um, help. So that's what I would suggest doing. Um, let me see if I have any more questions here. Okay, I have a high-headed horse that feels like a pogo stick when I try to do pattern work, barrels or poles. So that horse, you need to just get off the barrel pattern and the pole pattern, go back to basics. I'm a person who prefers horsemanship. I'm not big into German martingales or tie-downs to fix problems. I do think that they can serve a purpose, but and if a like if let's say a martingale, if a rider doesn't have very good hands, or a tie down if, you know, later on you feel like you need it in competition. Not because you have holes in your foundation, though, or because your horse is out of control. Um, I feel like, for me, hands are the most important thing to feel, uh, have timing and feel, because you can release for the right answer. The horse learns when the pressure goes away. So when you, um, the first thing you need to do is start, go back to basics and teach him to break in the pole. 
and do that at a stand and a walk and and do it in straight lines and in circles. So teach them to break in the pole, have lateral flexion, teach them to do perfect circles at a walk, um, at a trot, you know, and, and have lateral bend through their body and be relaxed. And I don't know if this is going to take one month or 10 months. You just don't know. And if I went back to the pattern, I would go back and only walk. And, and when they do it calm at a walk, maybe a slow jog. And again, on their calendar, not on yours, because every horse is different. But you're not going to fix a high-headed pogo stick horse with bigger bits and more tie downs. You've got to go back and teach these horses to be reigning horse broke, western pleasure calm. And that's only going to happen through a lot of wet saddle pads and a lot of time going back to basics. Um in the arena, on the trail, in the pasture, you can teach heads, head down and, and face flexing left, right down and yielding shoulders and calm down cues. You can teach all that in the arena or the pasture, but they definitely don't need to be on the pattern until you have that solid. The final question is about bits and saddles. Obviously, everyone's going to have their own favorite. I have at least 10 of my own favorite bits. I have a video bit, um, a, a, a video on bits in the group. I've posted it in the group and also at the website um, of my favorite personal ones. But bits are personal. So are saddles. Uh, so are your riding boots you ride in. Um, number one important thing with a bit or a saddle, a saddle, you've got to find one that fits the horse first and then what you like. But if it doesn't fit the horse, it's going to sore them up and they're not going to work. And then, of course, you got to find it to fit you as well. And then as far as the um, uh, bits, you've got to find one that fits your hands, but one more, most importantly, that they like. So all you can really do is trial and error. But as training horses for 25 years, I had uh, probably 40 bits over my lifetime, and I probably used eight of them the most. Um, so I do have probably my favorite 10, and that's it, um, that I could use on just about any horse that came into my barn. So, um, you know, it's important, you know, just like, uh, you know, cowboy boots, everybody's going to be a little bit different. What fits their foot better, whether it's Ariat, Justin, whatever, you know, the fancy brands, um, just, you've got to kind of just find what fits you. And that's a very personal decision. So, um, you can watch my video though. So as we get into the topic, horse training part three, um, I did train horses, you know, I've had horses since I was a little girl and my first, um, pony at eight years old was a jam up little barrel and pole pony. She did all the little speed events. She gave me tons of confidence, but when I became a trainer, when I lived in Colorado in the early nineties, um, so over the last 25 years, when people bring you a horse to train, they only give you normally 60 to 90 days and they want a lot done. So I always tell them I go at the horse's pace, not at the rider's request, but I will give you progress reports. I want you to come weekly for lessons. I want you to see what we're working on. Um, I send videos, pictures, all that. And um, that way they know the horse is, you know, progressing, progressing and they're getting rode. Um, but the first week a horse came in, that first week, I spent it in the ground pen on the ground. I may not spend the entire, you know, if it's a colt versus an open horse, um, but I always start in the round pen cause I want to bond with those horses. I want connection. I want them to know they can trust me. I want to establish our cues of communication on the ground. Um, I want them to learn that I'm going to apply pressure and retreat, um, you know, and release, and I'm not going to force them. I'm going to go at their pace. 
And I just want to build that trust and respect right from the get-go and that connection and bond. So the first week, I was starting a round pin. I don't care if they're 2 or 20. Um, it's just my time to use body language and connect on the ground and introduce myself and, and bond with them. Like I said, I may still ride them that week, but I'm going to start on the ground. Um, but I do think it's really important if you only have 60, 90 days that you have a list that you go through. So I had a checklist that I'd go through and I see where their holes were in their basics. Um, I'd see if there was any places that they needed, you know, to settle down mentally, emotionally. And I kind of went through that checklist and then I'd report back to the owner. Well, Hey, we need to work on this before that or whatever. And some of them had phenomenal basics and I could go right to the pattern um, so some of them just came in for a tune-up on the pattern or some just for hauling for seasoning and stuff. So it all just depends, but that's where I always started. Um, so I think you need to keep that in mind. Um, so today I want to talk about the basics needed before you go to the barrel pattern. I think that's so, so important. Um, if you want a horse to truly reach their full potential, I believe they should be fancy broke and they should have lots of buttons. If a horse does not have their solid foundation, um, they understand to give to pressure, move away from pressure, and you just put them on the pattern, what's going to happen when you add speed, things are going to fall apart and you're not going to have any foundation to fall back on. And it's going to take you so much longer to fix an issue than had you did it correct on the on the front side. So take the time it takes on the front side to get that horse prepared. It will go smoother and longer without issues later on. So keep that in mind. If you buy a horse that's been patterned but doesn't have basics, go back to basics. Um, that's really important. So number one, look at your groundwork. Does a horse tie? Do they load? Are they desensitized to things? Do they understand how to put their head down? Do they have a calming cue? Um, do your groundwork first. If they're pushy or rude or herd bound, um, barn sour, work on all that stuff first um, on the ground. Then when you get in the saddle, number two is face flexing. Um, can they do it at a stand, at a walk, at a trot, a lope, circles, straight lines? Uh, rectangles that's next number three transitions can they do transitions in a straight line and a circle that's where you work on your rate extended walk collected walk post trot sit jog extended canter collected lope and again circles and straight lines and can you do it on a loose rein or on on contact Number four, backing. Can they back up straight off mainly body, leg, and voice, light rein cues? Maybe seven to nine steps straight, not crooked. Can they back a circle with their nose in and their hip, hip in, their shoulder out? Number five, can they do a loose rein woe at a walk, a trot, a lope? Um, do, have you taught the loose rein woe on the ground first? That's important. Number six, do you have shoulder, rib, and hip control? Can you move their shoulder from your leg, away from your leg? Can you soften the ribs from your leg? Can you push the hip in or push disengage the hindquarters from your leg cues in the back cinch? Um, can you do rollbacks where the front end's elevated and the hind, and the hind pivot foot is set and they cross over? Um, can they side pass for opening and closing gates? Um, can they two track without any, uh, drama where they allow you to direct their nose one way and their shoulder another? Do they do nice lat leg laterals like for pole bending? Um, 
you know, all of those things are really important. Number seven, leads. Can you pick up your lead from a walk to a lope, from a, a trot to a lope in straight lines and circles? Number eight, loose rain um, and contact rain and neck rain. All three of those are really important. Can you do all three rain controls, a uh, combination of those uh, in the saddle? So I want my horse to be able to ride on a loose rein because I'm not micromanaging them. They're staying collected and working off of my seat. But I also want to be able to maybe to ride them in the bridle if I wanted to, more like an English versus a Western pleasure horse. Um, I also like direct rain, obviously in barrel racing, we do mostly guiding our horses, which is direct, not a lot of neck rain, but occasionally there will be a combination rain where the direct and the neck touch together. You're, you're doing both. Um, so those are all things to consider. Uh, number nine, perfect circles, all sizes, all speeds. It sounds simple, but you would be surprised how many people's circles don't look like circles. Hectagons, maybe eggs, ovals, but not circles. And they're not controllable. They're micromanaging the horse. You'll notice horses drift. A lot of times if you're working a circle, you'll see them drift towards the alleyway or the barn or the gate. Um, or they'll cut you off on the other side, the far side of the arena or the pasture because they want to get back towards their trailer or the barn. Um, so are your circles truly perfect? That's important. So um, like I mentioned, everything you should start on the ground um, and then go at a speed that they understand. You should always quit on a try. And if things are going bad, this is really important, slow down. Don't go faster than they can do it correctly. Um, if they're making mistakes or confused, slow things down. Success and competition come from a soft, supple, responsive horse. So I highly recommend you do your training in the lightest equipment you can. Uh, a snaffle, a side pull with some split reins. You want long reins when you train so you can get off their face, get off their head, rather than your short competition reins all the time. Um, it's just so much nicer for the horse to get out of their face. Um, no tie down. Uh, you know, save your big bits and tie downs and stuff for competition if you need them. Just have a training bridle that you can do your softening and suppling work. Um, you know, they need to learn to give and move away from pressure in as light equipment as possible. A lot of people are afraid to take off their tie downs or their combination bits because they have no control. But that's because your horse is heavy and they need to learn to be soft. That's because they were taught to run before they were taught to walk. So you, if you're afraid um, of them without a tie down or a little snaffle, do one rein stops and disengage their hindquarters. Start there. Um, videos for, um, let's see, videos for all in coaching. Okay. Okay. So, so this is something you can do as well. Um, I made a note here. I wanted to remember to say that if you don't know what you're doing on your basics, you don't have to send me competition videos every week. You can send me a training video every week and let me look at how you train at home. You'd be surprised when I see how you're training at home, I'm shocked at how you're doing it incorrectly. So it does help me throw your phone on the fence post or on a barrel, um, make a redneck a phone holder like I did with a piece of wood and two nails and or four nails and just set it in there and push record and send me one or two minute videos on Facebook Messenger. If they're longer than that, they won't won't upload. But Coach Now, you can send two minute videos there as well. 
and let me see you do a drill for two minutes or one minute. And it really helps me see if you're riding your horse correctly or doing your face flexing or disengaging your hindquarters. Um, the advanced riders, the 1D, 2D riders, they know you go back to your basics your entire career because after you compete on a barrel horse on the weekend, it's a high adrenaline forward event. You need to go back to trail rides. You need to go back to in the arena in a light snaffle and work on softening and collection and um, things like that. Um, you will get more consistent with speed on a horse that is fancy broke than a horse with holes in their foundation. Um, like I mentioned before, if a problem comes up, if you have a great foundation because a horse is broke, you will have something to fall back on and it's going to take you less time to fix the, your horse than if you have no foundation. And always remember, bigger bits do not train horses. Only a bit more knowledge does. <clears throat> Mirror what you want from your horses. You have five ways to communicate with your horse. Your eyes, your body, your voice, your legs, and your hands. Remember, high hands make high heads. Low hands, low heads. Um, remember to use give and take with your hands. Remember with your legs, a horse will move away from them. They should move away from them. They control the shoulder, the ribs, and the hips. Your voice, your horse will respond to you. Whoa, here, easy. Body, a go cue, a rate cue, a neutral cue, a woe cue. Eyes, where you look is where you go. If you want a bigger pocket, look between their ears. If you want to cut your pocket off, look down their neck. That, that's going to get you in trouble every time. The horses that anticipate or hit barrels, the riders are usually looking down their neck. Um, looking between the ears, a quarter turn ahead is really important in your turns. And between the, when you're in your straightaways, <coughs> looking between their ears <coughs> past the barrel is really important. So I'm going to go ahead and close now with those are the basics that I want in every barrel horse. Those are the basics I want in a trail horse. Those are the basics I want in any horse so that we have a established a bunch of buttons and a good communication in the saddle. So um, next week I'm going to talk about what drills to use for what issues, uh, dry work and drills. Um, but as we close, I want to say that I think it's important that you should pray. Um, praying to God for everything is great. Trusting God is great. Having faith is great. But, and I do mean but, you must be willing to do the work. If you have goals and a dream, you have to do the work. <laughs> you have to want to learn. You have to be willing to work hard. You must be disciplined. It's important to have a schedule. You have to sometimes push yourself out of your comfort zone. You need to be coachable. You have to be open to constructive criticism. And you need to have a positive mindset. Lastly, remember, just take one step at a time. You do not have to climb the whole staircase or think about the whole staircase, just one step at a time, and you will make progress. If you just spend a few minutes every day at the thing that you love and want the most, you will get there. And that's the way you just have to look at it. Don't think about the whole staircase, just each day is one step closer. <coughs> so I'm going to go ahead and close there. 
thank you guys for tuning in. I enjoy this group so much. Um, like I said, we've had 250 members sign up in 25 states, 25 states and one international. Um, I love the group. Um, I've seen so much improvement and progress. Um, and it just really makes me, um, happy to be a part of your journey and, um, and teaching it with horsemanship and, and kind and effective ways and putting the horse first. That to me is riding with heart, always giving a hundred percent inside and outside the arena and always putting the horse first. So thank you guys for everything. And as always, God bless.